Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brekkie with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Most Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. G'day, thanks for trick-or-treating with me this morning. Let's start with a treat. Advance Australia Fair is the best national anthem in the world. Tell me I'm wrong. What? You, you like another national anthem better than ours? Which one? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. We will get into national anthems shortly, but to the biggest story in Australian sport right now, and it's a bloke who won't be singing our national anthem anytime soon, Eddie Jones. Look, if the national anthem was a treat, here's the trick. Eddie Jones is right. Absolutely right to walk away. I mean, what choice did he have? If what he was promised in taking the job wasn't going to happen, of course he walks, right? Wouldn't you? I did want to go on, mate, but coaching a team's a bit like being in a marriage, mate. You need commitment from both sides. And, you know, I was committed to change the team. Rugby Australia at the moment can't activate the resources, which are both financial and political to get the change in place to make real change to Australian rugby. Well, sometimes you go in the bank and you blow it up, mate, but you don't come out with the money. And that's part that's part of the deal, you know. As we said at the start, we're going to do a smash and grab. So we got the smash, we didn't get the grab though, mate. The only thing that's probably disappointed me is the media trying to create a situation where they're trying to make out I haven't been committed to the job. Let's be completely honest, I've got no job to go to. I've got no job offer. That's never been the case now. You can... You can run all those sort of stories and run whatever you want, but my commitment to Australian rugby has been absolutely 100%. Can you categorically state there was never the Zoom meeting, that never happened, that was never part of why this has all happened? Well, I've never had a job offer from Japan, mate. Eddie Jones, last night on Channel 9. 
13 13 55 0467 736 736. Uh, in the last hour and a half, Rugby Australia has released a statement. They can confirm that they have accepted the resignation of Wallabies head coach Eddie Jones. He'll depart the position on November 25. Rugby Australia thanks Eddie for his commitment to the Wallabies in 2023 and wishes him all the best for his future endeavours. Announcements regarding the future of the Wallabies coaching staff will be made in due course. Phil War, the CEO, will be talking today, one o'clock our time, down in Sydney. So many things to plough through here. I, I could ask you who should be the next Wallabies coach. Yeah, I could. And if you've got suggestions, fire them away. Um, because I'm bereft at this stage of actually thinking who could be good for the job because I'm really not in tune with rugby coaches. The first one that jumps to mind is Brad Thorne and the job he did with Queensland. Who else? Those who are part of the Magpies, the Nest, the South Fraternity, Dan McKellar springs to mind too. Yeah, he went down to the Brumbies. He's now overseas, was part of the Wallabies coaching setup, but the depth of Australian rugby, our knowledge of Australian rugby and coaches, oof, where do we go? Look, if you've got suggestions, fire away. 0467 736 736 13 13 55. Look, I know you've got an opinion on this. The whole country has. Not about who should be Wallaby's coach, but just the whole debacle where they are you right now. And you know what? It's okay if you haven't watched rugby in a long time. You can still have an opinion on this. Because when you are talking about Australia's truly international team, I mean, there's our cricket team and then there's our rugby team. Soccer, Socceroos, Matildas, yeah, yeah, they're getting up there. But Australian rugby and the Wallabies are our national team. On the international side, I mean, AFL doesn't have an international team. Rugby league does. But let's face it, it's New South Wales and Queensland and the north of England when it comes to, and the Pacific, when it comes to international rugby league. It's growing. But when it comes to our truly international football team, it is the Wallabies. That's why you have skin in the game. That's why you've got an opinion on this. So which side are you on? Are you on the side that is piling on Eddie Jones? Or you're on the side that's piling on Rugby Australia? For me, I'm on the latter. And let me spell it out to you. Let let me put it into terms of your world. If you started a new job... And the boss promise you, promises you a, a certain set of resources, funding, money to bring in the change that you have been employed to do. And it doesn't happen or it won't happen. It won't eventuate that money, those resources. Then, then surely you leave that job, right? Or at least think about leaving. I mean, not everyone has a luxury of walking out on a job, but you think about it, don't you? You look for the next thing, don't you? Funding, that was Eddie's circuit breaker. Some may call it an excuse. But if you've listened to Eddie Jones from the start, his message has always been the same. Reinventing rugby, revitalising it, reinvigorating it, getting kids playing, getting the best of the best involved. I remember a media conference early on. In fact, it was one of his first when he landed in Australia. He went out to his old high school, Matraville High, with Mark Eller like he went to school with and he said look around this is the problem this is my old high school and has produced some wonderful wallabies along the way and what are they doing here they're playing soccer soccer posts are up 
the soccer goals are up, not rugby posts. Here's the problem. This is where we need to start, at the school level. And you and I have had the conversations about what's happening with GPS rugby or not happening with GPS rugby. So Eddie's been saying this from the start. He's been brought in as an agent of change for Rugby Australia. The remodelling, the renovating. God, if you've ever renovated anything at home, you know it costs money. Money that Rugby Australia doesn't have. They were trying to get it. And the way they were trying to get it, through private equity. Now, before your eyes glaze over, private equity is the key here. But now that's been put on the back burner. Private what? Yeah, private equity. Investment funds. Like like your super. If you're with a superannuation company that invests their money into different organisations, different profit-making organisations or business opportunities, that's what they're talking about here. They're putting a big chunk of money into sport in exchange for a percentage cut of the profits. Now, right now, Rugby Australia is the place to get into and to buy in. When they're at the bottom of the heap, it's like buying shares, right? You buy them when they're low and hopefully they prop up and give you a return longer term. That was what was supposed to happen with Rugby Australia. Private investment, private equity. When you have private equity as well, you also get their business ideas and acumen to the table and a bit of nous as well. So what happened? Well, this was pretty easy to miss because it was happening around about the time the Broncos and Lions were fighting it out for a prelim final. Rugby Australia had to cut and run after months and months of negotiation with investors with private equity firms. Code Sports reported five weeks ago, back on September 21, so the week of the prelim finals in the AFL and the NRL, that Rugby Australia was looking for $150 to $200 million of investment, but they couldn't get it. The report says private investors weren't convinced that Rugby Australia would get significant increases in their next broadcast deal, which kicks in in 2026. So the current broadcast deal is worth about $33 million a year from Nine and Stan Sport. Think about that when you compare it with NRL and AFL, $33 million a year. But the chairman, Hamish McLennan, he's adamant that the major home events coming to our shores in the Lions Tour and the Men's and Women's Rugby World Cup in a few years' time, they will deliver a bigger return as far as TV rights and investment. So he's saying, invest your money now, you're going to get a return later. One of his quotes was, the Matildas showed the incredible interest in home World Cups and rugby will never be bigger in this country. Private equity firms, they weren't buying it. They said, nah, we don't see the value. We don't think you're going to increase. So where does this leave Rugby Australia? Well, right now, they're trying to raise, according to the reports, Code Sport reported this five weeks ago, $90 million of debt. They want to take that on. They want to get a loan. Several lenders are actually willing to do that. 90 million, but not the 150 to 200 that Rugby Australia wanted. They actually received $40 million as a loan from World Rugby. And World Rugby said, well, you know what? You've got the British and Irish Lions coming in 2025. The money you generate from that, that will be able to pay back that $40 million loan. Ooh, it's a big gamble, isn't it? But that's how confident they were. Reports are saying that of that $40 million, they've already spent 25. 
and they're going to need to refinance with a new lender while raising an extra $65 million to keep the game going. Just to keep the game going. Not to remodel, not to renovate, not to change anything, but just to keep the game going. That came public a month ago. I'm tipping the bloke who was supposed to actually implement the change and be in charge of spending the money, Eddie Jones. I reckon he would have known a bit earlier than that. So, I come back to, if you were promised something that doesn't happen at work, what do you do? Do you stay or do you go? Was Eddie the problem? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. A man whose take on this is always first class. He's a first class human, a former Wallabies captain, Stephen Moore. He'll be coming up in about uh, 20 minutes time just to get his take on the whole debacle. What should happen next? Uh, replacements for Eddie. Um, so much to go through here, but was Eddie the problem? 13-13-55. Uh, the Australian-England cricket rivalry reignites this weekend at the World Cup. Um, what should we expect? England are on their knees. The Aussies are flying. But does any of that matter when these two teams, when these two countries go to war? I'll be talking to a man who's been there and done that. An Aussie who has played for England. What was that like? Jeez. <laughs> uh, but he has been helping the pathways of Australian cricket, especially here in Queensland. I speak none other than Adam Holyoke. Um We'll be getting his take on both the English and the Australian side. And I'll even ask him about who should take over from David Warner. As I said, he's been spending time in the nets, especially with Queensland. Pathways players, those coming through, the next big thing. And also, how can we go for the next three hours and not talk about this? No idea. and I stay out of the dressing room, partly because of the music choices of the players. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, most most clubs want to turn their grounds into a fortress. Ours is becoming a nightclub, mate, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever makes people happy, that's fine. I've got no idea, mate, no idea, mate. You know, is it even called a DJ these days, mate? Who knows now? So I think you're on my boat, so we'd stay away from that subject. Uh, Ange Postacoglu, what it is like to be in that nightclub? Well, a man who's actually been part of the Postacoglu party. We'll find out from him. Matt Mackay will be touching base from wherever he is in Australia. The Postacoglu party, that vibe, that feel. Uh, <laughs> you just want to be part of it, don't you? 13 13 55 0467 But before we do that, let's do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. Uh, outside of rugby, I, I do want to get the flavour of this. Advance Australia Fair is the world's best national anthem. Hands down, right? Or is there one you like better? 13, 13, 736. The reason I'm talking about this, a couple of weeks ago, you and I had that conversation about those representing Australia not singing the national anthem and what should happen to them. Well, since then, I have come across from those I've run into, from those I work with, from those I live with, but across social media as well, that there are so many people who say they love other nations' songs more than ours. And that caught me off guard. Is that you? Do you like another country's national anthem more than ours? 
if you're driving, it's the only excuse not to be standing when that song plays. I, I have the hairs on my arms standing up, and that's the feeling of national pride, isn't it? And every time you hear Advance Australia Fair, you're instilled with that national pride. Well, I am anyway. That was my great mate Ellen Reid singing that uh, at the cricket, singing that, singing Vance Australia Fair. When it's done right, it's an absolute beauty. The best in the world, isn't it? Or are you like others that I've come across? And I say it from home, I say it from work, I've seen it on social media, I've just seen others who enjoy national anthems. And this one seems to get a big rap. It's, well, there's a lot of love for our Antac friends across the ditch. Kiwi National Anthem. So many that I've seen in the last couple of weeks have come across, have read that they actually like that as their favourite national anthem. What? That's so un-Australian. Uh, Cuzzy, bro, I'm not looking at you because you're a Kiwi and I understand that. But surely as an Australian, you can't like the Kiwi National Anthem more than ours, right? Can you? 13, 13, 55, 04, yeah. 67, <laughs> Dane Coles. Thank you. Welcome aboard. No, well, you can't. Or can you? Do you? Who's got the best national anthem? 13, 13, 55, 04, 67, 736, 736. An absolute scorcher today, uh, not only here in the southeast, but across Queensland, knocking on the door of 25 and a half degrees already, uh, looking at a top of 34. We'll keep you updated with the weather. We know it's hot, but how hot is it going to get? Uh, maybe some ideas of how to cool down as well, but I'm going to take you to the fire zones today too because, uh, yes, we talk about everything that's happening in the world of sport, but we also need to touch base with what is happening in our world. And on the other side of the Great Divide, they are struggling. It's now day eight of the bushfires coming through the Darling Downs, Chinchilla Tara, uh, and that part of the world. So what they can expect today, we are expecting the worst of the conditions. So we'll touch base with those brave men and women who are volunteering. That's right. Many of them are rural uh, firefighters, volunteers to keep their homes and to keep their friends and family safe as well. So we'll keep you across that. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Plenty to entertain, inform and engage you here on SENQ. Live and local. Ben Davis with you until midday today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Slam and Sam, that, that doesn't count. That's from that's from Borat, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Right. Still technically a national anthem, not a real one, but <laughs> No, real ones. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Text flying through on Eddie Jones and Australian rugby. Is Eddie to blame or is it Australian rugby's fault? But before we do that, let's go out to Kathleen. She's Bethania. Kathleen, good morning to you. National anthems. Good morning. 
Good morning. How are you? Uh, all the better for talking to you. Now, tell me, the Advance Australia <laughs> Fair, it's the best national anthem in the world, right? No. Oh, no. No. Okay, well, hang on. Let, let's let's set a few things yeah. up here, Kathleen. Are, are you Aussie, born and bred? Born and bred, yes. Okay. What better? Don't like it. I, I voted for Walsy Matilda. Oh, as our national anthem. Yeah, we had a we had a, a voting thing about which which one you like, and I I like Walsy Matilda. It's more it's more Aussie. More Aussie. So you'd like to see Walsy yeah. Matilda as our national anthem because there, there was a vote on this back in 1973. Gough Whitlam put it yes, to the Australian vote, public. Yeah. Yes. I voted for that. Yeah, I voted for Walsy Matilda. I didn't like us to answer Australia Fair. Never have. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, I haven't. I haven't played sport like top sport to actually see it, but I still don't like it. I like the New Zealand one. I love that. It's, it's got. It's catchy and it's. It's from New Zealand, but ours is not. No. Okay. Okay. Can I ask? But that's you... just my opinion. No, no, Kathleen. That's that's a very that's that's a, hey, that's the whole thing, isn't it? We all have our opinions, and we're all entitled to them. Yeah. Can I ask you? Cast your mind back to 1973. While singing till the Advance Australia Fair, was there another choice? There was three, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, it could have been. I don't remember that long ago. Look, yeah, it could have been. I'm not quite sure, but. I think waltzing Matilda is more a more Aussie thing to sing, you know. Uh, to yeah. me, it is anyway. Kathleen, Advance Australia Fair is boring. Oh, <laughs> boring! All right, there we go. That's Kathleen's opinion. Advance Australia Fair, boring. Oh dear, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't agree with that because every time I hear it, I I want to stand up. I get filled with national. Pride and parochialism, that, that's what a national anthem is supposed to do, isn't it? Or is Kathleen nailed it? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Waterloo, uh, Waterloo, Waterloo Bay Hotel uh, have given us a $50 voucher to give away today, which is outstanding stuff. We'll be doing that uh, before midday today. 13 13 55 0467 736 736, which is where... Uh, Matt, Jason, uh, Murray have all texted us. Let's have a look. On Eddie Jones, this is from Matt. Eddie Jones is now just throwing mud to save his reputation. He failed badly this time with the Wallabies, and now he's covering his backside. He still won't answer the question about the Japan interview. All about smoke and mirrors. Good riddance. Matt, thank you for that. Has Matt got a point? Has Kathleen got a point? What's yours? 13 13 55 We're going to get a quick news hit from Amy and then a man who knows a thing or two about the Wallabies, Australian rugby, what needs to be fixed, and Eddie Jones. He ticks so many boxes. Former Wallabies captain Stephen Moore on the other side of this. Standing by on the Sunshine Coast before we get to him. Uh, Jason has sent a text saying, G'day, Brad Thorne would be great for Union. I watched him coach at both codes at a few levels. I actually cannot believe he hasn't been scooped up at the NRL level. Thorne standards would be non-negotiable. Jason, oh, spot on. 
he is as good a coach in the fledgling years as he is a footballer. And I think he's one of the most complete footballers on the planet because of his standards, the bar he sets. And I'm going to say that that's what Eddie was trying to do, was trying to reset the standards. He was trying to blow things up because, let's face it, since 2003 when we made a World Cup final and Eddie Jones was in charge, what's changed with Australian rugby? Have we gone forward? No. Have we gone backwards? Yes. So how do you get and force change? You blow everything up. Something catastrophic has to happen, and, and it has happened. So Eddie Jones was always going to be the agent of change. Probably didn't work out how he had wanted it to. And that change is now coming. Uh, Paul, he is on the sunny coast. Good morning, mate. Advance Australia Fair. Yeah, g'day, Ben. Uh, thanks for taking the call, mate. Um, look, I've been saying for years and years and years, I'm 45 years of age, and I've been saying for years that I just cannot get into our national anthem. It, it's missing passion. It's missing, I don't know, a bit of enthusiasm. I've watched um, sport overseas, live where Australian teams have played, and it just, it just misses something that a lot of other national anthems have. Like, even Star Spangled Banner is amazing, I feel. The New Zealand national anthem, even Ireland's national anthem carries a lot of passion with it. And ours seems to be missing something, for sure. Mate, have you been talking to my wife? And that's another conversation to be had because she's a mad fan of uh, uh, the Ireland. Actually, is it the Irish national anthem, the one that sing at the rugby? Uh, is it called to Ireland? Is that the actual Irish national anthem or is that just their song that they sing? Is that the one you're talking about? I- I believe so, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. They just seem to sing it with such passion and every sporting team that you see sings that particular anthem. It it just does it with such gusto. Yeah. All right, but they don't have a girt by C. Paul, appreciate the call. Thank you. 131355-0467-736-736. This is the Irish one, yeah? Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Hey, troubler. Don't say you've gone. Say you've knocked off for a smoker. And you'll be back later on. Hey, true. Uh, Matty on text has said, what about True Blue as our national anthem? Jeez, this has taken a life of its own. I wasn't questioning whether we should change the national anthem at all. I was questioning those who suggest that there are better national anthems than ours. And the Kiwis are getting a lot of love.
Dear, oh dear. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. One man who has sung our national anthem loud and proud, and it still gives me goosebumps every time it's played at an international sporting event, actually even at a domestic sporting event. I speak none other than former Wallabies captain Stephen Moore. Steve, very good morning to you. Um, before we get into everything that is rugby and Eddie Jones and Australian rugby, can you even put into words... The, the, the feeling of singing your national anthem when you're representing our country on a world stage. Yeah, thanks for having me, Benny. It's uh, good to be back in Australia after a bit of a sojourn in France for, for six weeks or so. But, yeah, I think everything you've said there is spot on, mate. It's one of the great things you get to do when you play for your country is belt the anthem out at the start of the game and... Certainly, you know, when I look back on my career, that's, you know, I look back very fondly on those kind of opportunities, particularly away from home. You play somewhere like Twickenham and there's only ever a very small pocket of gold in the crowd and you, you always look for those people during the anthem and certainly a big motivation as a player uh, to start the game like that. Can, can you hear them? Can you hear the crowd singing with you, even if they're only a small version of it? Yeah, you can usually. Obviously, the away anthem is is much quieter than home anthem wherever you are around the world. But but uh, you certainly can hear them, and you know that does give you that that extra lift, I think, and that's one of the special things about it. All right, I know that was a question without notice, but one man who won't be singing the national anthem anytime soon, as far as our national sporting coach is Eddie Jones. Um, the the, mm. the news the news that dropped uh, uh, late on Sunday. Um, are you surprised? No, not surprised. I think it became untenable uh, by the end, Benny. You know, the, there was certainly a lot of speculation and conjecture and many reasons given for why he made the decision. But, you know, I think it was the only decision that could happen um, just so that all parties can move on. It was a, it was a failed experiment, I guess, if, if you want to look back on the, the last 12 months from the point of, you know, sacking Dave Rennie a year out from the World Cup and then where we are now, you know, we, we've regressed immeasurably in the last 12 months and that's really disappointing. Steve, what will his, what was his, what will his legacy be? How will he be remembered? Look, I think if you look at Eddie's career full stop, he's been a very successful coach, there's no doubt. And, and he, he is a very good coach. There's no one that works harder than Eddie, but... The last 12 months, it never felt right in Australia, right from the start. Uh, I think, I'm not sure, having not been involved at all, uh, I'm not sure what what went on in, inside the organisation. Uh, you know, his relationship with the chairman, the CEO, you know, the whole centralisation process, uh, the funding of the game, all that stuff probably played a role in his decision-making. And yeah, he certainly did some stuff throughout the year that was surprising and a bit out of character uh, for Eddie. But, um, you know, I guess that's for, for him to explain. But, look, I, I hope that this last 12 months doesn't tarnish what, what else he's done in his coaching career. He's certainly done some great things and he's been a great coach for a lot of teams. So we need to remember that in, in the heat of the battle we're in at the moment. We will get into the change and the centralisation. And you and I have spoken about it briefly on this program. But, I mean, when you come in and change anything, and you're in the world of business now, change is a lot – well, change is needed sometimes. And it's a fine balance of coming in too quickly, too hard, or too hard, too quickly, isn't it? I mean, the the fact that mm. there were no 
you know, Michael Hooper's, uh, Quade Cooper's, Bernard Follett, and for the reasons he gave, I mean, that that's an extreme change, and extremism is, is no good in anyone's books, I would have thought. Yeah, certainly some of the selections were surprising. You know, there was players playing in that World Cup that had very little international experience, and it, it's a very difficult environment to go straight into, and... Yeah, leaving players behind, particularly Michael Hooper, I think, was a, was a player that whilst he wasn't at his best for the last couple of years, I think he would have added value to the team in that environment. You know, World Cups are very different to any normal test match and I think we saw the Wallabies just couldn't handle that that extra pressure and, and some of the young kids, you know, were put in an environment they probably weren't ready for. So that's re- regrettable. Uh, and I, I think probably what the Australian rugby public are finding hard to understand is just how much the narrative changed from when Eddie first came into the team. It was all about winning the World Cup, hit and run. Uh, we got a good enough team to win. I'm here to win the World Cup. And then it just became a development exercise. And th- that change is just not acceptable to your average rugby supporter. Uh, I don't think uh, they'll stomach that. And, you know, I'd, I'd be... I'd be surprised if this is Eddie's the last one to go out the door there at Rugby Australia. And I I just don't know how we can go forward without more significant change to the administration of the game. Okay, so you're talking front front office here? Uh, Definitely. I mean, they're the ones that made all these decisions. And, uh, you know, over the last few weeks since the World Cups, you know, we've been out of the World Cup. I, I just have seen no accountability taken by people who have made these decisions and I just don't think that's acceptable. So, you know, if your average uh, punter who puts their hand in their pocket to to go over there and support the team and, and then to see the way that it's gone, uh, yeah, we, we need someone to, to actually say that they're accountable for it. This stuff doesn't just happen by, by chance. So, yeah, it's very frustrating where we're at at the moment. You know, I don't think Eddie's at, you know, totally at, at fault, you know, he's obviously played a significant role as the head coach, but, um, you know, rugby in Australia has been trending in this direction long before Eddie was here. And, mm. uh, you know, we need the people that have been involved in all that to uh, to probably admit the same. Steve, I'm going to read between the lines. Are you talking to the chairman here? Because Phil War's really only been in the job uh, a short amount of time. I don't know if his fingerprints are really all over this at all and the change he wants to instigate. But the Hamish McLennan's been there, the, the chairman. Uh, he, he's been bullish about what he wants to do but hasn't been able to do it. So is it time for him to move on? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, Phil's been on the board for five years or something yeah, as okay. well. So people forget that. You yeah. know, there's another, um, you know process that was sort of put in place was a, a director becoming the CEO, which is unusual. Uh, you know, and between all of them, I'm not saying anyone particularly is to blame, but between everyone who's been running the game, uh, I, I can't see how we can continue without trying a fresh approach, which means a different people, you know, like it, it's just your standard, you know, you talk about business and if things are going this badly, you, you need to try and find a way to to get through the other side. And I, I can't see how we can do that without a change in personnel. And the biggest thing about change is building trust amongst the, the, the unions and the people that you want to make the change with. And 
I don't think we've done enough to build that trust. And, and until we have that trust across the country, then it's going to be very hard to, to, to force the, the change through. And, um, and look, the things you mentioned earlier about centralisation, yeah. new competition structure, grassroots, I, I cannot see anything in writing in terms of a strategy about the detail involved in that, the timelines, Who's involved? You know how it's going to happen, and I, I think we've been asking for that for quite a few years. And and I just and, and once again to come back to the the average rugby uh, supporter in Australia to be able to see something like that, to see a vision for the game going forward, uh, you just can't see it. So you know we're we're taking our supporter base for for mugs here, like it's just not acceptable, and we need to do something drastic to to change the course of the game in Australia. Stephen. 30 seconds or less, you've made a successful transition into business. Do, do sometimes you need to have something catastrophic happen to, to force that change? Had we have made semifinals or quarterfinals of World Cup, cracks of wallpapered over and we keep doing what we're doing. Does it need something catastrophic to change and to force that change? Do you buy into that theory? Oh yeah, yes and no. I think that you know the aspiration is to be the best in the world, and we we haven't got to that level. Although over the last twenty years, you know, you know we we've been quick to say it's a twenty year issue. We we have been in the top handful of teams for most of that time. So, uh, you know, we certainly haven't been bordering on being outside the top ten. So, which is where we are now. Uh, so, it, it's been a pretty rapid decline and. Um, you know, maybe this is the time, but you know, we, we need to see significant change. And yeah. um, you know, that that's the that's the, I guess, the fact of the matter. If you're being fair income about it, mate, it's an amazing insight as always. I appreciate you uh, jumping on. Uh, everyone has an opinion in this, uh, but yours uh, counts more than most. I would have thought. Stephen Moore, former Wallabies captain, uh, fantastic for him to uh, jump on the line. Uh, 13 13 55 0 4 6 7 7 3 6 7 3 6. What Squeak has just said, does that resonate with you? Uh, are you as a rugby fan or an Australian sports fan being taken as a mug? That's what it seems like from Australian rugby in the point of view of Stephen Moore. 13 13 55 0 4 6 7 7 3 6 7 3 6. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Company this morning, we're going to delve into the world of World Cup cricket in just a moment, but sadly, Powderfinger isn't the only thing burning across the sky in Queensland at the moment. We know the high fire danger is across the state, but uh, none more so than on the other side of the Great Dividing Range in Tara. It's where we find my colleague from Seven News, Jacqueline Robinson. Uh, we've got the communications up and running at this point. Jacqueline, a very good morning to you. What are things like on the ground in Tara? Ben, it's uh, a horrible feeling in the township, at least, as residents anxiously wait to find out if their home will, in fact, survive this dangerous blaze that's burning uh, just north of the township. There are so many firefighters pouring every effort into uh, 
saving properties, but at this point it is so dangerous that they're more focusing on saving lives because some residents have decided to stay and defend. Uh, We spoke to one man who's in the township while his friend is back defending their home, and he says that his home has already been confirmed burnt this morning. And now he's worried about his mate who's out there. Um, He hasn't been able to make contact. So it gives you an idea of just the the challenging conditions. It's an extreme fire danger warning for this area. And that's due to those weather conditions where big temperatures up around the 40 degree mark, there's no humidity in the air. So it's very dry. And then there's gusty winds that are um, picking up these fires and putting them elsewhere. So it's very unpredictable at the moment out on the fire ground. Well, that's the thing. We're talking about 34 degrees here in Brisbane the, the, this morning, or at least topping out today. H- have the winds arrived yet, Jacqueline? Oh, absolutely. As soon as we woke up, they were already um, gusty. Uh, out on the fire front, that is just the worst thing for firefighters to have to deal with because they can't control where the fire moves. And that also makes it quite dangerous because it can start coming from every angle. Uh, We know that Victorian firefighters are on their way and are due to start helping out. There's also been uh, contact made with New Zealand strike teams that are set to arrive uh, a little later in the week. But it really is today and tomorrow that are going to be the most dangerous days when it comes to properties lost. So far, 46 homes have been destroyed by this fire, but we're told that's likely to climb. All right. You stay safe, Jack. We appreciate the uh, the update. Uh, Jack Robinson, for my colleague from 7 News, at the firefront in Tara. We'll, we'll keep you across any developments of that. Yeah, we're bringing you the sporting news of the day as well, but we cannot escape what is happening uh, in our own backyard. We know it's going to be hot here today in the southeast, but uh, we feel for those on the other side of the Great Divide and the way that those winds are picking up and the heat, it's not just that area that uh, could be affected as well. Uh, 13 13 55 467 736 736. George, thank you for your text. He said, Benny, I like the Poms national anthem more than ours. It's short and sweet. Uh, you just had that on standby, did you, Sam? Well, now it's that's even longer than ours. Um, Is that God Save the King, is it? Yeah. It doesn't get to the point. Um, I think we should change our national anthem, George goes to say, to a shorter version of I Am Australian. I Am Australian. Yeah, right, okay. Um, George, thank you for your text. Um, It it wasn't meant to be about changing the national anthem. I was just intrigued at the amount of people who actually like others' national anthems more than our own. There's been a lot of love for the Kiwi national anthem. Actually, here's a perfect bloke to talk about national anthems and and how it fits into the realm of sport. And I reckon he might have, well, I don't know. We'll find out from him. He was born in Australia but played cricket for England. Adam Holyoke, a very good morning to you. Um, Were you ever confused about singing the national anthem when you patted up for the old enemy? I was, actually, because... um... When we, I think the first time we sang national anthems, that we, they never did it at cricket games until I think the first time was in 99. And then at that stage, I realised the only national anthem I knew was the Australian one. So I could only I could only sing along to the God Save the Queen bit. The rest of the national anthem in England, I didn't know because I grew up in Australia. So 
I had to tell myself when the cameras were on, don't sing during the Australian national anthem. God. <laughs> and what about when the English one was on? Were you just humming away to that one, were you? Or with the mouth moving and no words coming out? I just joined in at the chorus, just for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, we'll get we'll get in we'll get into your we'll get into your test debut very shortly. But I do want to pick your brains about coming up and playing against Australia, England. We know it's happening at the World Cup this weekend. England on their knees, Australia flying. D- does that matter? Does form matter when these two go head to head? In your opinion? Well, I guess it doesn't matter in terms of importance, but I think it does matter in this instance because England's form and confidence is is like really all-time low Well, in terms of the last five or six years because they've been so dominant in white ball cricket. And, um, yeah, Australia's just kind of peaking at the right time. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's going to be enough to beat India. India are looking unstoppable. But uh, as far as these two sides are concerned, England and Australia, I think Australia will definitely be going into it as firm favourites. Mate, I, I love your history within, yes, playing for England, growing up, being born in Australia. But since returning here, you've actually had involvement, especially in Queensland cricket. You've spent a lot of time with the, the Queensland Bulls, haven't you, in a batting capacity? Yeah, I've, um, I've been the batting coach up there for a few years. Um, so I've had a lot of work with uh, Mana Slabashane and Joe Burns and um, Matt Renshaw, uh, Jimmy Pearson. So. Uh, Bryce Street, these guys have all had, uh, you know, a dip at either Test Cricket or Australia A. So, yeah, I've had a – I'm not sure which side of the fence I'm sitting on at the moment. <laughs> well, that was going to be the next question. Who will you be barracking for on Saturday night? Uh, it's going to always be England. Um, oh, it's a shame. Jeez, I think that connection's falling out, Adam. Great to have you on the show. <laughs> England, but I think I want my – the guys who I'm friends with, I'm friends with guys in both sides. So it sort of becomes less about who wins the game. I'm just hoping the guys that I work with and are friends with do well, I think. So I think I know what my parents were going through because they used to support Australia, but I hope me and my brother did well. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have been awkward at all. No, not not at all. Not at all. Um Mate, I'm glad you, you mentioned that, spending a lot of time with, with Marnus, because right now he, he's the great survivor in this World Cup team. I mean, his name, well, he wasn't even in it to start with, and then he came back in and as a as a, almost an injury replacement, and now there's a target on the middle order, but he just keeps getting things done. Has he done enough, or has the middle order done enough to have their spots secure, considering what we're coming into, not only just England, but then into the pointy end of the tournament? Yeah, I think, I feel like he has. Um, you know, I think it's it's good when you can have some sort of continuity between the test side and the one-day side. I know it's hard for these guys to um, back up and do all formats of the game, but I think the more formats you can get, the more continuity you can have in the side, then it always breeds well for the, um, for the, you know, for the, I mean, if you think back to that amazing side, the Australian side in the nineties, I, I get, I, I sort of get twitches whenever I think about them, but um, you, you, not only did you know the side, you could tell you where they batted their batting order. The same, you know, think about the great West Indies side in the seventies and they had that consistency of selection and, consistency of knowing what their role was so I think that Australia won't be wanting to well I don't think they should be looking to change too much at the moment because they're just looking like they're starting to find a bit of form and uh, I think that 
they should try and stick with the side that's got them, you know, this far in the last few games. Well, look, Marcus Stoinis has been part of that, even though he, he's missed the last two games with injury. But if he's fit, does he does he come back in? I, I, I remember asking Darren Lehman about, you don't change a winning lineup, do you? And he just looked at me and said, well, of course you do, if you can make it better. Does, Mar- yeah. does, does Stoinis make this a, a better side? And if so, who comes out if he comes in? Uh, well, that, that that is a good question. Um, I, I think that I'm I'm always loath to change a winning side, but I think what Buff said there is is correct in that you know if, if it's going to make it better, you um, you know you 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 do. So um, I'm not sure who would come out. I mean, it depends. Obviously, I mean he's an all rounder, so he can replace a, he's a couple of different options depending on you know he can replace bowlers or batter. It's like the options, I mean, the wickets over there, well, they, I say they vary, but they, they generally turn and spin and, and are dry. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And there's a good battle there, isn't there, between the all-rounders, you know, Green, mm. Mark, Stoinis, uh, Maxwell. They've got so many all-rounders over there. So it's, I think, yeah, it'll probably just depend a little bit on the wicket and, and how they feel on the day. Uh, Adam Hollyoke, my guest this morning, a man who, well, an Australian born in Australia, played for England, and we'll get into that in just a moment, Adam. But uh, you, you mentioned about could come in to replace a bowler. We saw the tail end when we lost what four for one against the the Kiwis. Such a great start again. That had been wallpapered over a little bit. Those cracks that we lost four for one, and I've got to say. The biggest discussion in our household after what a great game it was against the Kiwis was Mitchell Stark. His bowl, he was he was going for ten and over for the entire journey. Does yeah. he does he need a spell or is he just someone that you know classes permanent and forms temporary? He's one, it's amazing, isn't he? He's one of those guys who's always uh, been criticised. I remember Warney, God rest his soul, used to love giving it to him. Um, he's he's one of those guys that. He kind of, I feel like he should be in the side. If the side's playing well, you can carry him because he's one of those guys who can have an off day. But by the same token, he can totally blow the game open for you. So you need to have a side that can carry him, I feel. Um, but that said, he could end up being your best player on the day. So it's an interesting conundrum in that I, I think you pick him. I think you have, he has one of his great days. If he does have one of his great days, he wins the game for you. If he doesn't, then you've got a side that's already there to back up in case he has one of his bad days, which is he has quite a few of as well. So he's an exciting player. I, I'd always have him in my side. That's my personal opinion. Um, as as a an, an Englishman, you you don't like seeing him because he can just he's one of those guys that can get two three wickets in a very short space of time and just bowl people out, which is a unique talent at international level. Adam, 35 one days for Australia, for, uh, for Australia, for England. I know, oh, for England and four tests for England, your first against Australia. What was it like, and you mentioned Warney, what was it like walking out to bat as a uh, born in Australia, playing for England, and England have a habit of this, getting all the South Africans and bringing them in to, to play, play for them as well. You've got behind the stumps, Healy, Taylor at first slip, uh, Mark War at second, Warney at third, if memory serves me correctly. That's a fairly formidable lineup just to be standing behind you in your ear as you come out to bat. 
Yes, um, and we we just actually when I made my test debut, we just me and my brother we played against um, against them in the one days and we beat them three nil. So they weren't. I don't. I didn't get the feeling that they particularly liked me or my brother very much at that stage, and they kind of reminded us of our Australian upbringing. And I think some of the favourite ones they they mentioned was Judas, uh, Traitor, Turncoat, amongst amongst others. But when you come out and make your test debut, you pretty much know that they're going to be after you. So I thought they I thought they might let me take guard first before they started. Um, <laughs> Giving it to me, but it was uh, yeah, like you said, it was Healy, Taylor, War, Warney. I think Slater was floating around there somewhere. And um, as I was taking guard, they you know they started clapping from behind, and you know you're going to get it. So um, and then they started saying, "Come on, then boys, let's have this guy out." Here he is playing his first Test match, and I've got, you're trying to stay present. You know, I had like McGrath was my first ball that I faced in Test cricket, and it's a great moment test debut you want to try and be present for that first ball you're just thinking you and the ball and then um they say here he's facing his first ball in test cricket um all his family watching him on tv back in australia wishing he was playing for australia (laughs) rex and i was like oh they know uncle rex and then auntie jan and then they started reeling off all of my family's name so um you know i was i was I might suffer from a little bit of ADHD, so my concentration was broken. I went from trying to face the first ball against Glenn McGrath to how the hell do they know Uncle Rex and Auntie Jan? So it was it was it was um, it was warning you mentioned Auntie Jan. So and at that stage, you had a bit of a reputation of being a womanizer. So as I'm facing my <laughs> cricket, all I'm trying to work out is how does Warney know my Auntie Jan? And it's a bit of a worry. <laughs> I'd be more worried about Uncle Rex then, in that case. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you got through it. How long, how, actually, how long did, I should have looked it up. How long did that innings last? So that's actually the one, I think that was one of the um, few innings that I actually played well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think after that, they didn't bother sledging me anymore because then they realised that the aid, it just let me go with my ADHD and I'd start, losing concentration and looking at girls in the crowd and I'd just get out myself. So they didn't bother after that. 45. So, yeah, it was a good start. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> despite the distraction. Despite the distraction. Hey, mate, thank you for the chat this morning. A valuable insight, especially as uh, as someone uh, from an England point of view. You'd hate to see Mitchell Stark rolling in regardless of uh, what his recent form has been. Um, good luck uh, for this weekend. For an English supporter, I reckon you might need it. We'll chat again soon. Adam Hollyoak, thank you for your time. 35 one days for England, Australia and England uh, fighting it out at the World Cup this Saturday. Uh, We know now that Afghanistan, uh, the nearest rivals for us in that top four after they beat Sri Lanka overnight. Who would have thought that coming into this World Cup? Uh, 13-13-55-0467-736-736. National Anthem, uh, Eddie Jones. Anything else on your mind? Uh, How to stay cool uh, when it's now nudging. Wow, 29 degrees. It's just climbing a top of 34 here in the southeast today. Ben Davis with you until midday today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Oh, see.
twilight has gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the pale spot Okay, I've had enough. I've had enough now. <laughs> this may be an unpopular opinion, but I reckon that's Star Spangled Banner, right? That, that is the American national anthem. And David sent a text in saying, Chris Stapleton singing the American anthem at last year's Super Bowl is the best rendition of any anthem ever. Well, guess what? Star Spangled Banner is the worst national anthem ever. There we go. Unpopular opinion. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's rubbish. No, it, that's where, actually, yes. I think it's been dug up from the X-Files. There's no rhythm. There's no rhyme to it. There's no what? I don't get it. That is the last thing that would instill national pride into me. Maybe, maybe, oh, someone from the US can explain it, but, and the versions they do, it's just, oh, they're ru- rubbish, rubbish. Advanced Australia Fair, best by hands down. I know it's an, um, I, I, apparently I'm a full of unpopular opinions today, but a lot of people backing the Kiwi National Anthem as one of the best going around. Why? Why? Uh, 13 13 um, We'll get to more your calls and texts uh, in just a moment. Uh, someone has email, uh, emailed. Someone has texted in, no name on it though, saying, Ben, we can't get the video feed. Uh, I've disabled the video feed today, and that is uh, on purpose and by design. Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because of... Because of the aforementioned uh, running with the barber yesterday, um, the haircut is not good. In fact, it's one of the worst ever. So that head does not belong on television, on video, on any cameras whatsoever. So I did pull the plug on that before we came in. What's happening at 11 o'clock is the quiz. That's right, the $50 voucher. So it's dinner or drinks on us at the Waterloo Bay Hotel. Uh, I, I give you answers to the quiz. You know how it works by an outlast man standing. And, of course, the first five callers through do get a second bite of the cherry because I know the strategy with this. Uh, so let me see. One of the answers you will need is Cam Waters. There we go. Cam Waters. Uh, that's after 11 o'clock. The competition line is the same as the uh, open line, 13, 13, 55. What's this one? Uh, Muzz, thank you for your text. Ben, read that haircut. My mind's eye visualises you reading the sport in a bowler hat for a fortnight. Yeah. Me think it amazing. No, that's uh, Alyssa Smith back from holidays, thankfully. So we'll be seeing her um, delightful face on the television news. The haircut. I, I, I went to the normal barber that I have been going to for years. And that's the thing, isn't it? You, you stick with... You stick with a head, a barber or a hairdresser, don't you? I remember working with a bloke at Channel 7 who came from our Sunshine Coast office. And he, after relocating to Brisbane, he used to drive an hour plus back up to Maroochydore to get his hair cut once a month. I thought that was commitment. But then you think about it, if you do get your hair cut by someone else, there's almost a, a form of, I don't know, cheating on them a bit, isn't it? You stick with the same one. Probably 
should have stuck. And that's the thing. I didn't have my usual bloke. I went to the same shop, but he wasn't there. And anyway, I hmm, made the mistake of... Uh, 13, 13, 55, 0, 4, 6, 7, 7, 3, 6, 7, 3, 6. Uh, anything on, on your mind, be it barbershops, national anthems, uh, Eddie Jones will be back to talk. Well, actually, we'll be back to talk about a successful Australian coach. In fact, the most successful Australian coach right now on the planet, Ange Postacoglu. Uh, not a fortress, his club. More like a nightclub is what he said. But before we do that, let's get a news here with Amy. Oh, Q, Bon Jovi too. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. No idea. And I stay out of the dressing room, partly because of the music choices of the players. Um, and, you know, you know. Most most clubs that want to turn their grounds into a fortress. Ours is becoming a nightclub, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever makes people happy, that's fine. I've got no idea, mate. No idea, mate. You know, is it even called a DJ these days, mate? Who knows that? So I think you're on my boat, so we'll stay away from that subject. Blow my whistle, bitch. Oh, there we go. The Postacoglu party. It is ripping through the Premier League and it is swamping us back here. Oh, you just want to be part of it, don't you? And, and don't the media, don't Fleet Street, they're just lapping it up. Ange Postacoglu, the way he's been doing it, not only on the field, but off the field. That, of course, was in relation to being asked about making your home ground a fortress. And what did he say? Well, not really a fortress, more like a nightclub. There you go. That's the party you want to be part of. So was it always like that? What makes it such a party? Well, I thought the best man to talk to was uh, a bloke who's played under Ange Postacoglu, uh, won titles with them in Brisbane, and I speak none other than former Socceroo, former Brisbane Moore mentor, a mentor captain, and he had Ange Postacoglu as his mentor. Matty Mackay, come in, Matty. A very good morning to you. Do you remember nightclubs in the dressing room with Ange in charge of Brisbane? He was, uh, he was a bit more authoritarian back then. He didn't like music at all. Oh, um, really? That first, yeah, so the first grand final um, was just after the, the floods. So we were all in the in the car park. The change rooms were in the car park, that first car park when you come in at Suncorp. Yeah. So you could hear Central Coast. We could hear each other. Um, and they had their music blaring, and he, and he used that as a, a point of difference. Look at them. They're in, they're in relax mode. They're in party mode. Let's 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 not have that party. And he, we had no music in our change rooms back then. Oh wow! Okay, so what's changed then? What do you, do you reckon he's mellowing in his in his uh, in his later years? I think kids are different these days, right? Players are different. They're um, younger and they like the different music. So um, yeah, and obviously they're on the big bucks over there. You can't stop them from from having music. He'd lose the change room. So uh, he's got them happy, which is important, um, and that's why they're. Their stadium, like they said, is like a nightclub now. Matty, let's tap into that secret. How how did he make the players buy into that? Have the ownership make you feel happy? He made you believe in it. Yeah, he he and he preached. He, he had good sessions. Everything was planned well. Um, so as a player, if you come into an environment where things are working um, really simply. Um, it keeps you mentally strong because 
you're doing something different every day. It wasn't the same stuff. Everything had a purpose. You started seeing that purpose and you started seeing results. Then the players bought in and, and it made them happy because they're winning games. So um, he's done that really well already. Um, and you saw that in the, even in their preseason. They could tell from preseason they had a game in Perth against uh, West Ham, their first game. And, and they batted West Ham. They lost, but they were just creating chances. They were doing the right thing. They were trying to play and ball, you know, playing out from the back, moving. Um, and they did that. And that made, um, you know, that you could already see that was going to happen. So I've got no surprise, no, not surprised that they've started how well they have. What, what, what traits or, or signs have you seen that, that, that Tottenham are doing now under Ange and where he's been previously to, to what he was doing at, at the Raw? Because, I mean, we all evolve, we all move on, but, you know, there's there's sort of ways that, and, and building blocks that were put in place in Brisbane that would have seen Ange grow as a, as a coach. Can you see any similarities from inside the four walls that you experienced at Brisbane to, to what you're seeing on the park now with Tottenham? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Like tactically, obviously the game's changed. Um, you know, 10 years ago it's changed, but he's got the same principles and he'd be harping on about that, about movement, um, pressing, um, when you haven't got the ball, getting it back quick and then fast moving the ball. Um, and that's exactly what they've done. Yes, players will go, they'll have different rotations and um, and as such, but I think his motivational talk, you know, which was my second point, that they they haven't won anything. So he's got that narrative. Like, it's perfect for him. He did the same thing to us when he came into Brisbane. He said, Maddie, have you won anything? I said, no, I haven't won anything. So you haven't achieved. So he would have done the same thing to Tottenham. They hadn't won since 2006, I think. Um, that's their motivation. Um, and then he can just ride that throughout the season. He's making them better players. It, he's bringing value to the club. Um, and he's the media darling, isn't he, really, over there? They're they just um, they're lapping it up. Yeah, are you surprised at that? I mean, he was always he was always good with us here when he was when he was in town. He's better, isn't he now? Though yeah. he's just everything. Like I'm just tracking it now, and and um, mate, I'm desperate to go over and have a look. I'd love to get over and have a look at how he's set up and um, and what he's doing. But yeah, he's um, he's uh, he's media. Um, he, you know, those those chats he has before games, after games, during the week, um, everyone's tuning into. So it's um, it's great to watch. And Matty, he didn't miss a beat coming in, um, losing losing your best player, mo- moving to another club. I, I mean, for 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 many coaches, for many managers, if if you take your best player out, all of a sudden you go, what am I going to do? He, he didn't even he didn't even blink, did he? He didn't flinch, did he? He um. I'll be honest, I think he would have want, he wanted him to go when you think about it. Like, there's then less expectation on him. You just lost your best player. So he thrives on that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that didn't hurt him at all. He would have loved to have him, and he would have, I'm telling you, he would be top goal scorer of the season for Tottenham if he was there. Um, but it wasn't a, uh, yeah, he, he wouldn't have let, definitely let, wouldn't have let him get him down. So um, he planned other ways, and he's brought Richarlison in. He's doing a job. Um, Son's. Um, our Korean friend is is starting to score um, a lot of goals as well. So um, I think everyone's everyone's uh, who supports a Premier League club has Tottenham as their number two at the moment. And that's the thing; he's always had an eye for talent, hasn't he? And he, and he brought talent to Brisbane. He did, yeah. Um, being able to bring in, you know, talk about Eric Pardalus and Thomas Broishers and even Bessart the next year. Um, you know, he this this. Uh, millions of examples um, at every club he's done. Maybe not millions, but he, um, 
he's been able to bring people in and and uh, improve them as players, and yeah. ultimately that leads to to more money for the club. Um, when they eventually sell those players. But, well, that's the thing. I mean, Thomas Broish comes in and and not really, well, not a household name in this country. Bessart Borussia, the same. And yet all of a sudden, bang, they, they are. They turn into the best in the, the league at the time and 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 even the best that the, the comp's seen. Yeah, and there's, there's multiple, you know, there's foreigners, but there's also Aussie players, you know, Bratzy. Uh, Luke Bratton was coming through that stage and he's still, a, you know, he's now the captain of Sydney FC. Um, but, um, you know, a great, um, you know, local player that, you know, really developed and under Ange and, and did really well. So there's heaps of examples of that. And um, everyone that got to play under him generally, there's not everyone that's happy, but um, are happy with how their career progressed after that. If he was to get on the decks or to hit play on the Spotify or iTunes, whatever is on the music now, what do you reckon Ange's go-to would be? It's old school music. It'd be very old school. Yeah, There'd be no dance and no, no R&B. Um, I'm sure it'd be old. Define old school. Uh, what, Are we talking what? Uh, 80s, 70s? Like yeah, like probably Akadaka. And, uh, I've got no idea. You'd have to ask him. Um, it'd be along, along those um, tunes. You can see him busting loose to that. Hey, Matty, uh, if you do get over there, you can be our special correspondent and, uh, rep- and report back exactly what you see inside those uh, Tottenham rooms. That would be a fantastic insight. And I'm, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that would be an absolute bucket list to uh, be part of the, uh, the Postacoglu party again. Yeah, why not? I'm working on the missus now to try and, and <laughs> finalise some dates. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> Good stuff. Mate, thank you for the chat. Thank you for taking us inside the, the world of Ange. Uh, as we said, the Tottenham boys are, are living it out and you got to live that dream with him. Oh, geez, what was that? 2011, yeah, when the first grand final came through with the flood. So, uh, uh, but uh, then uh, went on to become Title Town and that undefeated run. Actually, on that, just quickly, that undefeated run. I mean, it was setting marks in Australian sport, wasn't it? I mean, he, he's doing the same thing in the Premier League now, albeit in its infancy. Infancy. Yeah, he's just he's created um, created something so quickly. Um, you know, you thought that. Um, they're down and out in some games, but he just he fought, he finds a way. They find a way to fight back and get points and wins, and um, and that's what makes him so special that he can um, instill that belief in players. So let's see. I don't think thirty six is. A, he's got a tough season to get to there, but um, yeah, he's doing very well so far. Thirty six undefeated, outstanding stuff, great record. Matty, thank you for the chat, mate. We'll uh, talk again soon. Matt Mackay, a former Raw captain, soccer as well, but has uh, lived part of that uh, Postacoglu party. Uh, just an update coming out of the Matildas. They've just let us know that Courtney Vine has been ruled out of that uh, final Group A match of the Women's Olympic qualifiers, the Asian qualifiers, that they're in the middle of doing that now. So she sustained a hamstring injury during uh, the uh, the game against the Philippines on Sunday. Uh, she was returned to Sydney FC to continue her recovery. So uh, Emily Van Agmon and Ellie Carpenter have also departed uh, and they'll be returning back to their clubs. So... Uh, this now, knowing that Australia's uh, going so well, uh, they're allowing others to come through. 13 13 736 Quiz coming up very shortly. One more clue before we get to the news at 11. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Woo! 
bit of Akadaka going out to Ange Postacoglu, according to his former captain. That would be the old school stuff you'd like. If he ever imagine that in the Tottenham sheds getting Akadaka playing, now, that would be the challenge, wouldn't it? Uh, 13 13 55, as we do it today, all thanks to Macca's proud sponsors of the Little Legends supporting grassroots sport here in Queensland. Mm, the number you need right now 13 13 55. We've hit reset on the open line, it is now the competition line. We have the Waterloo Bay Hotel dinner or drinks on us up for grabs in our quiz. The question you need to get in, which Aussie cricketer returned from injury to hit a century in their win over New Zealand on the weekend and what a century it was. Who was it? 13-13-55. Get us started. Last man standing. You know how it works. And remember the first five. Call us through. Do get a second bite at the cherry. 11 o'clock here on SENQ, creeping up to 30 degrees, top of 34. It's an absolute scorcher. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Slamming Sam, he's stitching up uh, the crew here in uh, the studio. We are going to get an NBA update from the Hoff, hence why the <laughs> Baywatch theme music was playing. But before we do that, let's head to the open line. Uh, Terry has jumped on uh, from a fantastic part of the world. Terry, very good morning. How is Hope Island this morning? Bloody warm, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it would be. Yeah. <laughs> no, no different to anywhere else. South East Queensland today, I don't think. No, that's fair. That's fair. Now, what made you pick up the phone? Um, look, on Rugby Australia, I think there have been far too many incidents to just point it at the one thing that I want to bring up. But the thing that sort of came to the front of mind for me was that the Israel Falau and how that was handled. Now, whether you agree with him or you don't, but the sponsor at the time um, had far too much to say and to play in that, that whole scenario. And I don't think we're in a position to not pick a player of Israel's um, standing. Free speech is free speech. And again, whether you agree with it or you don't, um, I think that's when things started to really, well, the wheels started to fall off. When people have got too much input into the the inner sanctum of the team selections. And, and Terry, doesn't that point to the fact that if you are kowtowing to a sponsor's wish, then you you know, or you, they're doing that because they they need to desperately hold on to that sponsor. Because if you are strong enough to walk away. 
and go, right, well, fine. You're not going to have a say. We'll find someone else who isn't. It means you're not confident enough in your product or so beholden to them and the money that they're supplying. Whichever way, it's half a dozen of one, six of the other, that they just weren't confident enough in their own product or didn't have a strong enough product to walk away and uh, and run to the to beat of their own drum. Terry, I, I reckon I reckon you, you've picked up on something there, and, and that just goes to show the state of Australia. God, how long ago was that? What was that, five Six years ago, Israel Folau, was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. It, it, it seems like forever ago, but it was. It was. They've been paying off that debt. They're now paying for two coaches. Well, have been paying for two coaches with Dave Rennie and, and Eddie Jones. Um, we believe it's an amicable walk away uh, from Eddie and Australian rugby. Uh, we'll get some more details at one o'clock when Phil War fronts uh, the media today. Uh, but you'd have to think that they might even be paying for three coaches this year all at once. Mightn't they? Terry, thank you for the call. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Ah, the NBA. It is time to get an NBA score update. All thanks to NBA 2K24. It is out now on PlayStation 4, 5, PlayStation 3 maybe? Mm, don't know, but NBA 2K24. We'll see you on court. That is why we bring in our uh, basketball expert, the Hoff. Good morning to you, Brighton. Good morning, Benny. Uh, NBA. Who's playing? Actually, it's it, it's the um. I know it's Halloween today, but it's a pretty cool equinox, if you like, of sport in the US, where all the major sporting event events uh, codes, if you like, are playing all at once. You've got hockey, you've got uh, NFL, you've got NBA, and Major League. Baseball is the fourth one. All play. It's only the 29th time it has ever happened, and they're all having games today on Halloween. There we go. So what's happening in the NBA now that I've put that out there? Well, Aussie superstar Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets, they've got their first win this morning. They beat the Charlotte Hornets 133 to 121. So they had two losses to start the season, so a big win for them. Ben Simmons been going pretty well too. Had a near triple-double uh, again today for the Nets. Uh, we got... The Boston Celtics continued their impressive start. They've been really dominant. They they smash the uh, Washington Wizards 126 to 107. And then some other Aussies in action. We've got the uh, Dallas Mavericks playing. Of course, Josh Green, uh, Dante Exum in that team. They're currently leading the Memphis Grizzlies 75 to 68 as well. Another Australian in action is Matisse Thibel with the Portland Trailblazers. They're currently beating the Toronto Raptors 86-82 as well. So they're just some of the games in action and some of the Australians in action this morning. An NBA update, all thanks to NBA 2K24 out now. We'll see you on court, Braden. You've also got the NBL show, which is up and pumping. And, of course, you can hear all Bullets games. You can hear uh, uh, Drury Forbes and the Hoff call all the Bullets games this season on SENQ and the SEN app as well. Uh, this week, uh, South East Melbourne. That's right. Yeah, the Phoenix are up against them. Nissan Arena on Sunday. Our coverage kicks off, uh, tips off, I guess, at 6 o'clock. Um, Karina Leagues Club, how good a place is that? Yeah, it's amazing, Betty. Been around that place actually since I was a child. I, I was played uh, my juniors at Southern District Spartans right next to there. So wasn't wasn't of course gambling when I was young, but um, yeah, been there, been around that club and, and a I'm, huge, glad you, I'm glad huge you partner of the call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you qualified. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, and remember, imagine what you could be buying instead, Raiden. Uh, very good. Um, we will look out for the NBL show too uh, here on SEN. Download the app SENQ Bullets Home Games, uh, the Hoff and 
uh, Jury Forbes. But right now at half past 11, in fact, 11.31, it is time for a news hit. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Sam, I warned you. Star Spangled Banner. No. No more. Who's that? Uh, that was Fergie of Black Eyed Peas fame. I thought <sighs> that if Oscar was going to be a smart ass, he might appreciate that as well. Yeah, righto. Uh, referring to Oscar's text, uh, uh, thanks for 90 seconds of cat strangulation. You're struggling for content, Ben? No, Oscar. If you've been listening to the show, uh, people have been jumping on board. This and national anthems, which ones are better than Advanced Australia Fair? None, I say, but it's the unpopular opinion this morning. We are doing it this morning, all thanks to Maccas as well, uh, the home of little legends supporting grassroots sport here in Queensland. Uh, speaking of grassroots, well, it's dry, they're brown. If my lawn's anything to go by, I'm sure yours is as well. And today, an absolute scorcher. Tops of 34, so we're hearing from the Bureau of Meteorology. I thought I'd bring in my mate from Channel 7. Um, he comes on after the most important part of the bulletin, and that is the sport bulletin. He brings it on home with his weather, Tony Auden. Tony, a very good morning to you. Um, heat wave is probably not the technical correct definition, is it? Good morning, Benny. No, not quite heat wave. It's just one real day of heat at the moment. To, to really get to that heat wave definition, we need three days' worth, but we do have a cool change on the way tomorrow. Oh, see, I do listen to you when, when you're in the newsroom, and you, you, you've, been, you've been saying that a lot. It's not a heat wave until you have three days in a row. All right, we, we were hearing top of 34. Is that still the, the case? And, uh, and um, what are we expecting this afternoon? Any storms on the horizon? Uh, well, I suspect it probably won't be the case with that 34 degrees. What we have on days like this is that Ipswich out west will be hot, uh, going for about 38 degrees today. The coast will be low 30s, 31s and 32s. And Brisbane, take a guess, somewhere in the middle. It depends on what the sea breeze does. If it arrives early, it'll be cool. If it doesn't come in and those hot westerlies push through, then it'll be hot. And the sea breeze actually set in uh, for the first time, at least a short time ago, when Brisbane topped out at 29.6 last I saw. There is a chance it won't get any hotter, but I feel like we will creep up a little bit higher this afternoon. So, look, it's still going to be hot, especially inland, and we could still see that sea breeze push out and those temperatures climb this afternoon. Okay, well, that was what I was going to ask you. What are we now? 11.55. So you, you, we, we may have reached the, the hottest part of the day. We may have. There's a possibility. I, I think we're going to still see enough sunshine and heat building that even though the sea breeze is in, we'll still just creep over 30 at least. Uh, but the, the real uh, issues will be in western parts of the southeast and, of course, the Darling Downs where we've seen those, uh, those almost horrific fires uh, and we're expecting a lot of wind and a lot of heat there today. So there will be some big issues for firefighters and residents there through the, the rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. We had that leave immediately warning come out for those around uh, Montrose North, Wimbilla, the Gums, Tara. That happened just as we were coming on air this morning. Uh, leave immediately or your life could be at risk. Uh, it'll be too soon. Sorry, it'll be too dangerous uh, to drive soon is what the uh, Queensland Fire and Emergency Services were saying uh, the best part of three hours ago. Tony, you mentioned cool change. When, where, how and how long? So that's right. 
Cooler change into tomorrow, dropping down about 27 degrees in Brisbane. Uh, the Bureau's left wet weather off, but I think we'll see a decent lot of storms inland, sort of north of Ipswich up towards Kingaroy and the Wide Bay. There is a risk of dry lightning over those fire areas. I think we're more likely to see dry lightning than uh, any rain of note to help with the fires out there. But there was also a little chance we could see a sneaky shower or storm pushing across the southeast later tomorrow night, of course. To Paul McCartney uh, playing there. So if you're really keen and risk adverse, maybe consider packing a small poncho just in case there's one or two light drops of rain later on. Outstanding, mate, as always. We'll see you tonight and this afternoon, 7 News at 4 and 6. Tony Auden, a meteorologist from the 7 Newsroom. So there we go. If, actually, I'm just, what about this? Here's Nostradamus. It's just knocked down a, t- a degree, 28.9. When I started talking to him, it was 29.9. We may have seen the hottest part of the day. Yeah, don't bet on it, though. Uh, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, the other big story doing the rounds today, it came out of our SEN team in Melbourne. Uh, they spoke this morning to the Demons hierarchy. Simon Goodwin, the coach, Gary Pert, the CEO. It was an in-depth conversation. It went for the best part of 45 minutes. Gary Lyon and Sam Edmund. No question was off the table. And there were plenty of questions around the culture at the Demons. There have been stories swirling about illicit drug use. Uh, and this has been the response from Simon Goodwin. Have you got a cultural footy uh, problem at your footy club, Goody? No, we haven't got a cultural problem. We've got some isolated incidents that we are going to deal with to help drive our culture forward. Um, you know, for 10 years now, we've worked on a, building a high-performing culture. Uh, we've made decisions in and around our footy club over a long period of time to build the best footy club we can to perform to the highest level, and we've been able to do that. Can I ask you pointedly, does Clayton Oliver have an illicit substance problem? Clayton Oliver's got some personal challenges. And that's the best way we can describe it. It's a very complex situation that we've got going on with Clayton. And clearly those challenges have been going ongoing for multiple years. Um, this is something that hasn't just reared its head in recent times. This is something that's been ongoing for our footy club and ongoing for our, our team um, for a number of years. And um, we're working incredibly closely with Clayton right now um, and building the best people around him and care around him to deal with his complex personal issues. Uh, a very candid Simon Goodwin along with Gary Pert. It was a fascinating insight, a fascinating chat. It is doing the rounds today again. Uh, Apple for all your podcasts, Spotify as well. You can find it there and on the SEN app too. It's the best way to listen to us, as you know. Look, thanks for your company over the last three hours. It's been an absolute ball. We'll do it again tomorrow from nine. Until then, good luck, good hunting.